there's that tunnel vision that from age five is that you have one dream and then at 21 it completely changes but you haven't taken the time to actually think oh well what do I want to do with my life like where am I going to go from here because you don't grow up thinking I want to be a doctor I want to be an astronaut etc is that you want it to be one thing and then that door slams shut and all of a sudden it's okay I I don't really have that backup plan when it comes to a passion to look forward to like I did every day getting up to train to prepare to show up to perform because that was all i knew up until that date we're gonna go out on the field we're gonna score as many goals as we can we're gonna have fun oh, becky a well placed Jersey on one more play. I give it my all. It has been my pleasure and my honor to represent you all. Matt Bracegirdle ate, slept, and breathed his sport. He's a Canadian. Hockey out in the street and out on the lakes, about two steps below. I want to stand out. That's pretty obvious. So, yeah, that sport was hockey. Not everyone who eats, sleeps, and breathes their sport becomes Serena Williams or Wayne Gretzky, of course. Realistically, most don't even become one one-thousandth of that. There are many, like Matt, who are average people that gave an extraordinary amount of themselves to the game. And so when it ends, it's really painful, along with confusing and isolating. Sure, the people around them see it as a loss, but it can be hard for those people to really understand the nuances that can make this loss feel so major. No one died. It's just sports. And that person chose a path for a reason. You, if you're that person, might not want to be honest with yourself about just how bad it hurts or sit with it because, yeah, you did make decisions. They were thoughtful ones, too. And you just weren't Serena. You weren't Wayne. For people like Matt, their story maybe goes a little something like this. Played a sport from early childhood. This person found that they were good at it, loved it, so they worked and sacrificed to continue to get better and better. Through it all, throwing themselves into that world of their sport, they felt like they'd found a purpose. They felt part of something bigger. Consciously or not, this athlete dreamt of, planned for the heights this thing they found purpose in, this thing they were a part of might take them. For some, it comes to an end when they graduate, or it comes to an end when they make a decision. A smart one, a respectable one, many would argue, based on logic. They looked at the numbers of those who go on to become pro, and the even smaller ones of those who make a living while doing it. So the eater, breather, sleepers hang them up. It's a decision for their future. All the while, having committed like this, they didn't really plan for the life after. Maybe they didn't because they genuinely thought their sport was going to take them to the tip top, where all that fame, glory, and money lie in wait. 
They didn't, maybe because they were just living too much in the present. A, a little foolish then. Maybe they didn't because to think about an after hurt too much. Pouring their time, effort, and soul into the experience was the only way they knew how to do it. Holding back or even just diverting energy to an abstract somewhere else, somewhere after a final whistle, would be undermining the significance of this life they'd given themselves over to for so long. Matt, as a non-Wayne eater-breather-sleeper, checks a lot of these boxes. It goes without saying that, you know, I try to make each episode of Run Along unique, but this one was different from start to finish in a way that's hard to really describe. I guess, first of all, I should say Matt reached out to me after stumbling upon the pod. That was different. Having a guest on with that origin is a run along first. And no doubt in part because of that, this conversation was the most honest, unfiltered one about these topics, transition, loss, identity, that I've yet to have. Just two people on the phone, not coordinated through a manager, not arranged through some friend-of-a-friend connection. Two people talking. The connective tissue that yielded and nourished this conversation between us was this shared human experience. It, it feels wrong to use the word beautiful in a show that's within 10-foot pole touching distance about hockey, but yeah, that, that word might be apt in thinking about how this episode kind of came about. And I know I've waxed far too long in this intro. I will admit this story uh, carried me far away. But bringing it back, because so many of the elements of this were organic and not, quote, typically structured, I guess there's no way to finally get into Matt's story than to jump right in. Can you tell me three words that would describe your relationship to hockey? Uh, passion. Uh, let's see. Put me on the spot already. Let's see. I know. Family would be another one. And I guess purpose. Yeah. Give me a purpose. That'd be good. So, yeah, you did start playing at age five. Um, so probably pretty much right when you're getting your coordination as a human. <laughs> can, yeah, pretty much, yeah. Can you talk about the role that it played in your upbringing? And I guess kind of a branching off question from that is talking about the Canadian hockey culture and so how those things influenced you as you as you grew up with the sport. No, and I think that's the main thing. when you The Canadian culture is that it's stereotypical for a reason, is that – most people grow up in Canada, for the most part, playing hockey out in the street and out on the lakes. And, and then when they're old enough, they're playing. Uh, they're, they're playing in the organized levels. So it's you, you. You wake up every morning, and the first thing you want to do is go uh, grab the stick, go grab your friends, and and just dream of, of scoring that goal or winning that title. And it's for me, I was no different. Uh, I grew up. My my brother played. Um, people in my other and the rest of my family had played, and just something I, I naturally get into and from from day one of playing it uh, the way it works here is that everybody sort of takes turns in different positions for the first couple of years to, to get used to what you want to do and everybody gets their own chance to play and I decided that I wanted to be a goaltender and that sort of uh, 
distinguished me from day one, and I look back at it now, is that being a bit of an introvert, which is which is a little bit funny coming from the background that I have, is that I wanted to be different. I wanted to stand out, and I was luckily fairly decent at it from an early age. And then as I progressed from five to ten, and you start to play in these competitive leagues, these competitive levels, it starts to to sort of be entrenched in your day-to-day life. And that's what you live and breathe. And every day is that you want to be more successful and it just keeps going and going into the point where the end of the story, and then it ends one day, which is terrifying and scary. And I, and I've been there and done that. And I guess we'll get into that a little bit. Yeah, for sure. So that is a a nice segue. I'm uh, not going to try to pretend like I understand the hockey setup in Canada, but you did give me a bit of info, and if I'm reading that correctly, you played one step below pro? Uh, essentially. So what the way it works here, tier-wise, is that you grow up, and then when you hit about 15 to 16 is when you sort of make that decision. Okay, am I going to make it to the next level? And and it's tough because there's there's different routes that you can take, uh, especially in, in, in Canada, is that once you hit uh, the junior hockey age, which I had come to that level, is that there's there's this junior A level, which is a little bit, about two steps below sort of professional or semi-professional, but it, it allows you to sort of keep schooling options open. So you can go through this league with hopes of getting uh, scholarships to play, whether that's in the U S or, or Canadian university hockey, which isn't as, as popular as sort of the division one hockey in the States, or there's something called the, um, Canadian Junior Hockey or Major Junior Hockey League, which is essentially the stepping stone from 16 to 20. And then from there, you would go right into the NHL or pro level. So from a, from an age of 15 to 16 is that you need to make these tough decisions is that if you want to focus on schooling, is that, okay, maybe you want to go this, this Junior A route, which is about two levels down, or do you want to try and go all in and go with the, the major junior path? And the one sort of troubling, troubling issue is that if you play a minute of this major junior hockey, is that you lose all ability to be able to get a scholarship to play U.S hockey mm. uh, with schooling so if you go this other route is that you can play three or four years of this junior level but then after that you're fully eligible to to be recruited to go mostly to the states is what most people wanted to do um, and it leaves that end open so I was in that tough decision which many people are and I've had this conversation with so many kids uh, this age when they get to this age is that that's a tough decision for a kid to make at, at 16 years old is that for me we were lucky we have a hometown team here in, in Halifax I'm in Nova Scotia and we have 10,000 seat arena. I grew up going to all of these games with dreams of, of playing for them. And the opportunity came up to attend a training camp with them one summer. Um, I was signed with them through, uh, through draft picks and whatnot and, and practice with them a little bit in the summer. But then come crunch time when the season was about to begin, I needed to make that tough decision. Okay. Do I, do I think I'm good enough to, to make it through this level and then progress on to a pro level or do I think that I, I'm just average and, and play the odds and, and go the other route which was one step down keeping the schooling option open so um, yeah that was sort of one of the toughest decisions look I've ever made going back then because you're essentially still hoping for your dream and I took the the school route uh, and I tried to go that way but um, to say no to your hometown junior team to to these things that you had literally grown up saying I want to be in that arena because I've been there so many times I want to be on the ice and I, I remember that decision telling my mom is like no I, I don't even know if I can tell them I think you need to come with me because it was like heartbreaking especially 
you're 16 or 16, you have all your friends who think that you're going to go do that. And then all of a sudden you make this grown up decision. Now they look back at it and it's, uh, it's, it's a tough culture, um, for a lot of people. And, and I think it's something like less than 1% of people who ever enter the junior realm will actually make it pro. Um, so I had, luckily I had some strong role models behind me when it came to some history, when it came to taking these paths and, and with the schooling as well. So, um, it's, but no, that's sort of where things started because it's, it was something that it was a life changing event for me, but, uh, looking back at it now is that, do I miss the chance that I got to play pro sure, but I look at what my life is now and I'm totally satisfied with the route that that's mm-hmm. taking me. Yeah. So you worked to get to a really high level, committed yourself to hockey for 10, 15 plus years. Um, You mentioned those familial forces and of course, just that inner, that personal passion, considering all those things coming together. Would you mind going into what effect that had on your sense of self and your identity? No, I think that's a great way to put it is because the the experience that I had, and, and like I said, I took a different route, which was two steps below, but that was still a pretty high-end product. I still played in this this town that would sell out their arena every night, and it gives you, at, at, from 16 to, to 19 and 20, is that it gives you this sense of purpose, the sense of sort of value is that you are, and I was in a very small town, uh, so you were kind of like a, a mini celebrity or professional in their eyes and you sort of that's a very impressionable age where people are coming up to you after games they want to talk to you they want autographs etc and you're 16 17 years old you don't really know anything besides the fact that you're literally just there to to play hockey and and make a little bit of money while doing it and it's it's just one of those things that that becomes your identity and the minute that that's taken away there's there's a void and i think from that age of of 21 onward when when the dream kind of ended that okay i'm not going to be a professional hockey player was i still had that sort of self-entitlement thinking like well no like i was in my mind is that whether it's ego is like okay no i was a big deal at one point down there how come i can't be that now in the real world when i have to step into a career or or step into schooling and try to figure out what I want to do with my life because there's that tunnel vision that from age five is that you have one dream and then at 21 it completely changes but you haven't taken the time to actually think oh well what do I want to do with my life like where am I going to go from here because you don't grow up thinking I want to be a doctor I want to be an astronaut etc is that you want it to be one thing and then that door slams shut and all of a sudden it's okay I I don't really have that backup plan when it comes to a passion to look forward to like I did every day getting up to train, to prepare, to show up, to perform, because that was all I knew up until that date. Yeah, Uh, kind of answered my follow-up question to that, uh, which was, did you struggle with leaving hockey behind or how did you cope with that? But definitely want to give this space for you to add on in any way if you feel like it no and i think it's you just get because it's so such a part of you and it, and it's it's leaving behind not only say the the mini celebrity status of it which is which was cool at that age but like i said that's your identity is that you grow up with your friends you sort of fall into certain social circles because you were the athlete you were the sports guy i was lucky enough to be somewhat successful at it so i feel like i had that a little bit of of play when it came to, okay, I could influence people. I could 
just enjoy my life and not have to take things too seriously at the moment. And then I just remember afterwards thinking like, well, no, I, how come this is so different now? And it, and it affects you mentally when it comes to relationships, when it comes to family, when it comes to work ethic is that you're driven for one thing for your entire life. And then all of a sudden is that you're just thrown into this realm of reality, which Luckily, luckily for me is that I had, like I said, I had a good support system that, that sort of helped me through it. But I went through those first couple of years is that there's that void is that you feel like, well, I'm in school. Great. But that doesn't mean anything. I'm not passionate towards this. Okay. I'm going to get it. I'm going to start to get a career and you go into that and that's, that's scary, but it's, it's something you're still not passionate about as if it was a sport or a competition or, or something to, to strive towards. So whether that's depression and it just sort of sends you back into your own little shell where you you realize that you're kind of angry at once because you're like, how come this changed so fast and how come I didn't make it? And should I have changed my the way that I did things? Should I have taken that risk? And then it goes into that sort of sad, like, like I said, depression or and that anxiety starts to build up with, geez, okay, this is what do I do now? Am I going to be successful in something else? Because this was the one thing that I was driven towards and I, almost looked at it as if I failed and now you expect me to start over and, and try that again, which has a long-term effect. And I mean, it's been 10, 15 years now since, since pretty much I stopped playing and it's, I'm still learning those lessons. And I look back at it now and think like, geez, I wish I had some of these, these tools and, and people to help guide me just like I can see how things played out. So my goal now is to help people in this situation, whether that's friends, family, or people in similar scenarios to say, oh, this is what I did, or here are some of your options. Make sure you, you weigh these out because if they don't work out, which is a high probability, make sure you also have some people that you can lean on because it's not going to be easy to just go from that competitive mode every single minute of your life to just clicking that off because it, it doesn't just go away easily. Mm, absolutely. And uh, I think the exact amount of time is 12 years if I'm doing my math right, you said that you finished playing at age 21 and now you're 33 unless you lied to me. <laughs> um, yeah, that's right. Jumping forward to the present, what are you up to currently and how did you get into that work, leaving hockey behind, sorting out what that next step was going to be? Yeah, no, it's funny. Actually, next week, I'm actually going back to the town that I played my, my junior hockey with, which is about four hours south of where I am. And, and the one thing that I, I took away from that whole experience was that when you, I moved away at 16, I moved in with this family that I did not know. I spent three and a half years with them. At the time, their son was in grade three, lived with the husband and wife. And I'm actually going down next week to be the best man at the son's wedding. Wow. In the same community, he is now, he obviously he's getting married, he has a kid, and I look back at it now, is that there's the sports side of things, which are always going to be important, but they literally became family to me. This was my first experience away from home. I called them my winter family, because I was obviously there during the winter months to play, and it's those relationships, those teammate bonds that you build, and those experiences are, are something that it was kind of full circle when we were setting this up to think that, oh, I'm actually going back there uh, next week to to see them because it, it always brings back memories to sort of pull back into the, the driveway of the house and the rink is still the same. The team is still going strong. So it's 
that's uh, that'll be a fun experience next week to sort of bring that sort of full circle now that it's been 15 years since I first touched down there in in 2004 so um but as far as now his those 10 to 10 plus years afterwards there was a lot of figuring things out there was a lot of change there was a lot of growth um I had been with my with my wife now but girlfriend at the time since I was playing pause Let's actually go talk to Matt's then-girlfriend, now-wife, Laura, for a different but incredibly important understanding of these transformative years for her partner. Hey, Laura. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. I really appreciate you taking the time to speak to me. I promise it'll be brief. Well, yeah, I mean, this wasn't even, like, my original plan, but I'm releasing Matt's episode this week and going back and listening to stuff, and it... I don't I just think that there's a lot of value in thinking about being someone's person, being so close to someone as they go through like this, you know, major life transition and giving something up because I think that we don't realize the impact that it can have on people that are close to us. Um, it definitely yeah. does affect not just the person that it, you know, it's happening to. It it trickles out words at a fairly rapid pace, really. Yeah, definitely. And when I was realizing that he said that you guys had been together, really at what seems like at the height of when of his hockey career, when things were probably most intense, and then obviously you've been with him throughout, and now, now him kind of discovering his new passions and been through yeah. that whole process with him. So, yeah, I just, again, just kind of free-flowing. I kind of just wanted to hear what that was like for you to to watch someone that you loved and cared for so much like make this decision to give something up and yeah it um it's really it's an interesting journey that people like Matt or anybody that you know has been involved in a sport or anything that you're you know truly passionate about and devote all your time to from, you know, the age of whether it be five or 10 or whatever, when you commit that much time to something and you almost forget that, you know, you're growing up and you're a kid or you're a teenager and there's things to do with friends and stuff like that because you spend so much time devoted to your passion that you miss out on things. And then when it comes to an end to see somebody almost realize like, wow, I've missed out on a whole section of my life that I can't get back Mm. and how to go forward. It's very challenging from a spouse or a partner's perspective because you don't really know how to help them it's something that you know you kind of have to let them figure out on their own but at the same time you know you have to be supportive and try to help as as much as you possibly can but for somebody you know like for Matt where he played hockey his entire life and you know it was a big part of our life together as well. But, you know, he missed, he didn't really go to university or, or college 
after high school because he was playing hockey and he had moved away. Um, so there wasn't that initial like, oh, you graduate high school and the next logical thing to do is to go on and get your education. So when hockey finished, you had to, like, I was sitting back watching him thinking like, okay, so is he going to go to school? Like he's never really had a, a steady job because he was playing hockey all the time. He's never had, you know, the formal education, which now you're at that age range where, you know, you're a bit of older than the people coming out of high school. So that's a bit awkward too. It's in a funny space in life, but I have to say, um, and it takes its toll and you can mentally see how it breaks you down and you almost have to start from scratch again Mm -hmm. and figure out, okay, you know, I was super passionate about this, it being hockey, but now where is my life going to go in, and I need to find something I'm passionate about again. And it takes a long time to figure that out. Um, and you know, as, as much as, cause I had gone to school and stuff like that and was working as much as I could say, well, this is the most logical thing to do. It's, it's not logical for everybody mm-hmm. right away, right. you know, and, and Matt tried to, you know, he went to school and took a few different things and didn't love it. So that kind of continued the cycle of, oh man, I don't really know what I'm doing with my life now that hockey's over. But man, once you find that a routine, even if it's in something that you don't particularly love, but you know, you've you've gone to school or you've or you've found a job that, you know, pays the bills and allows you to kind of become an adult then you start to see a shift. But when you find that second or third passion, it's amazing how the mindset shifts. And you can almost, like I almost see in Matt, the when he played hockey, he was, you know, super focused and very, he was, you know, passionate and he enjoyed everything about it. And you could see the focus come back in all aspects of his life. And it was almost full circle. And I'm not sure how many other people would notice that. But as somebody who's obviously been around for a long time, I was able to to see it. And it makes you really happy as somebody who obviously cares for them very deeply. Um, You want them to feel that passion and that excitement again for something. Yeah. But it, it definitely took a while and I can see how, you know, even professional athletes and people who do things for even longer than, uh, than Matt did, how it's a, it rocks your world. Right. I mean, I think that's something that, yeah, you know, when we think about support systems, we think about people, you know, who we can talk to, who we can distract ourselves with but I think something that's been so useful at least thinking of my my experience was it was those people around me and close to me that didn't just see me 
the first word that came into their head was an athlete. You yeah. Know, like, they, they wanted to be around me, they loved me, they were my friend, they were my partner, for reasons beyond, it seems so obvious, like, yes. me being an athlete when, and I think that, that that perspective is so useful when we're thinking about identity and shifting identity and clinging to an identity, and for athletes, you really, you do become your sport. Very much so, and... I mean, the first thing Matt would ever tell anybody about me is I don't sugarcoat things. So when, you know, I was always like, well, you know what? You were a person before hockey. You're a person after hockey and figure it out. Like, you know, I love you not because you were a hockey player or an athlete of of whatever form. I, you know, it's the person, but now the person needs to realize that your entire life was not wrapped up in one thing. Yeah. Well, this has been immensely enlightening, and I'm I'm really glad that we get to share this perspective because, again, it's not really ever something that I've had access to even share that that side of or that story of so it it really means a lot and I hope that you know it it gives a different lens for our audience I hope so I mean yeah it's it's nice to be able to put a different you know view on on things because people you know as much as you're one entity you're a group of 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 people and family and friends and you know and, and all that helps to make up you you know now back to matt uh so she's seen a lot of change in me because i went from career to career trying to figure Mm. out what it is i wanted to do again there was never that passion of think like i want to do this when i grow up so um spent five or six years getting some experience um in in one industry to find okay this isn't for me train to another one and trying to figure out who i was and what it is i wanted because soon as i left playing um, and getting into a career in schooling is that i felt like okay what is not necessarily an easy path but what's one that's going to i'm going to be able to get into and, and be sustainable and I can sort of start to put the pieces together and then over the last three or four years it it changes again it comes to okay I I want balance I want security yes but I want to be able to express myself I want to be able to wake up every day with something that I am passionate about and can make a difference so so I have my regular career um, which is sort of my nine to five but I also have a, a health and fitness business on the side which I do some some physical and, and mental health training with some people. And that is sort of my outlet, my passion, where I can show up to that every day. And it, it is sort of just a side gig, but it allows me to give all of these experiences that I've had over the last 15, 20 years when it comes to ups, downs, performance, um, how to deal with setbacks, how to progress through change, how to overcome things. So it help, keeps me involved with constantly adapting and changing and, and bettering myself and my situation. But to, to be able to work with some of these people who are in these situations that I was in when I was 16, 20, 25, because it's not always easy to admit when something's not going right. And, and for a couple of years, you just sort of hide and, and that's some dark places that I've been down, but learning to express myself through through my own podcast as well and to be able to have a voice for someone who for years was just quiet and just wanted to fill that 
sort of mold that people want it to be. That's how he always happy. He's fine. Whatever. But uh, now I actually feel it's important to, to talk about different things and having that sort of side passion has rekindled that, that drive or that level of excitement that I used to get when I played because there, there's not much, many things that live up to those bigger moments, those bigger games when you're, you're out on the ice or, or it's a, a pressure moment because those are the things that I, I really enjoyed and didn't understand that I enjoyed those as much until you don't have them for four or five years. Yes, that's, yeah, really resonate with everything that you're saying. And um, I'd love to hear about your own podcast if you wouldn't mind sharing a bit about it. Yeah, so so myself, so I'm part of a, a, a sort of a fit fitness movement called the Fit Men Movement, and and what it is is a group of of guys essentially is that uh, there's a lot of us who I live in a rural area is that we do a lot of our working out from home, um, and I know a lot of people who are just and myself included were were self conscious or didn't like the whole gym aspect of things is that we wanted to do things on our own, but there wasn't a community for specifically guys to get together to talk about some of the deeper parts of, of mental health and physical health. So myself and, and my co-host Chris, who, uh, who I'm good friends with, who actually lives in Indianapolis, he's in the middle of the U.S. that we just connected one time through this group many years ago. And basically we run a group of about 100 people um, of men in the actual group, but we also host a podcast which is called the Fit Men Movement Podcast, but is is generic to everybody. And we will touch on everything from from physical health to mental health to healthcare to mindset. So we try and go fully across the board and just real world topics. We have guests from, from trainers to healthcare practitioners. Uh, we'll have some of our members on to spotlight some of the things they're doing and, and how they're growing within the, the community. And it's, it's just sort of a safe place for people who are maybe on day one of their, their health journey to, to people that are competing in, in competitions and, stuff as well so it's it's been a we're at our now i think 106 episodes as of last night so it's been fun for me because i get to talk to some people high up in the industry i get to continue to have a voice this podcast and and this coaching business that i have allows me to express myself and help others with my experience but at the same time i know that it's fueling me to constantly keep going to to make sure that I don't fall back into some pretty dark places, like I said, that I was in in those early years when I wasn't quite sure what was going to happen after the playing stopped. Mm. Yeah, well, congratulations on that milestone. But being past 100 episodes is awesome. Actually, I saw a meme a few weeks back, which was like, all right, this content is very loudly shouting at me, said, it's 2019. You can either start a podcast or go to therapy. <laughs> Which is essentially yeah, the same thing. No, that's excellent. Yeah, it's, it's great. And I mean, I feel like I bore everybody that has ears next to me with my, my podcast talk. But, you know, I, again, it's like cool to feel this way about something that's not the sport. <laughs> well, obviously, you're off to a great start with it. And it's, no, like I say, it's one of those things that it's, it's just... It's, it's something different. It allows you to, to do your own thing. And just your voice may not sound important to you at the time, but somebody out there needed to, to hear something or, and this sparks a conversation. And then that continues a conversation with someone else. And it's just the whole social networking and social media in general is, it has its flaws like, like anything, but it connect people literally across continents to have a similar conversation about a topic that I have never had with somebody about this is that, I have sure I have some friends that I played with or, or played against where you 
you see here and there and you'll have conversations like, oh, I miss this, I miss that, but to actually dig a little bit deeper and, and to have a conversation and say, you know what, those were great times, but I struggled a lot afterwards. And it's it's not just like you say on your website, it's not the Super Bowl champion who went bankrupt after spending $50 million because they didn't know how to manage their money. It's, it's people who live and breathe this and it wasn't a full-time gig and then all of a sudden that's taken away from them and they feel like they're just lost in the crowd and they want to be that little bit of light somewhere for somebody and and these are what allows us to have these conversations probably should not be surprising when i say you are 100 percent speaking my language all right perfect way to cap things off do you have any advice words of wisdom for the recently retired or maybe those that are heading into their final season in the midst of their final season uh, for a lot of people and, and like I chat with a lot of people and especially the local leagues here is is don't you don't need to just end it and all of a sudden it's gone it's just try and stay connected somehow so whether that is I got right into coaching even in the in the hockey level I got into helping younger kids get started or even if that's family members who are starting in the sport is that don't just go from okay all of a sudden I was doing this living and breathing sport for the last 15 years of my life and then I'm going to cut it out completely find ways to ease your way out of it or, or maybe that is coaching maybe that's volunteering maybe that's doing something to to slowly see is this okay how can i stay involved where i feel like i still can make a difference with the actual sport if you still have that passion for it and don't think because you stopped playing that the spotlight is totally gone and you can't make a difference because there's plenty of us who go right away and do nothing and then you're in these dark dark places and you feel like you're all alone but most people who play a sport are not going to continue playing it past probably early 20s when it comes to a competitive level so don't think you're alone in this is that there's always people out there who are ready to chat and ready to help and and you're never doing this alone yeah definitely not alone and ending with that i said matt's story was special and i guess one of the ways it is is just personal this episode really hit me matt talking felt as if some wizard scribe had stepped into my heart or skull or whatever and wrote down the thoughts and feelings peeking out from all the heart skull shadow hiding places to have those moments where someone sees you like that is special eating breathing sleeping a sport and now talking connecting through it finding a purpose becoming part of something bigger again Thank you to Matt and Laura for coming onto the podcast. And as always, thank you for listening. We hope to see you next time. Mm-hmm.